afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to call the spirits in to gather around us here today. I call out to the ancestors. I call out to all those that bring to you your legacy, that which you are to inherit from those who went before you and lived well and died well and learned from their life here on earth. So we call out to those ancestors to bring all that is good and true and beautiful into your life, into mine, and into our circle here today. We call out to these ancestors to help us to learn from those who have gone before us, that we might stand well in our lives, choose, and walk with grace on this planet, and learn to be in good relationship with all living things. We ask for those who have gone before us, who have mastered these things, to share with us today that we might know how to be within ourselves, in good relationship with ourselves as well. And we call out to that most ancient ancestor, the earth, and we give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming, her dreams of life that eventually brought life as we know it to the face of this planet. So we call out to that ancestor and we give thanks to her. We give gratitude for life. We give gratitude for a place for that life to happen that we call home. We give gratitude to the earth for the energy of grounding us and for teaching us, even through our lack of groundedness, how to ground and be here now in our body to choose and make a stand and to live the life that we have come here to live. We give thanks to the earth for that wisdom of how to be here in form, how to manifest. We give thanks to the earth for belonging, for connection and interconnectedness. With all of these energies that hold us here together with all living things and to the earth, we reach up from our hearts and our minds all the way out through the sky through the atmosphere and into the cosmos, all the way up to the highest power of the universe, and by whatever name you call that power, call it down. We call out to this energy above to bring to us that most essential energy of blessing, to bring into us the wisdom of the essence of things, to bring in protection that we might be vulnerable in our life, be open, to be filled by new things. And we call out to that energy above to bring us the generosity and benevolence of our world that we might know all the wisdom of the cosmos vibrating in our very cells. So we call this energy of the sky above, down, and the energy of the earth below, up. And we ask these energies to merge within us, to bring us into balance, to bring us into the perfect balance that we need for this day. And with these energies infusing our being, we call out to the energy of our heart to show up and be present. To be here now and open to the amazing magic of the heart, that place that can blend the fiery passions of the belly, the knowing in the soul of why you are here, that great mystery that you chase in this life. With the wisdom of the mind, the clarity of the mind, the inspiration and innovation and creativity of the mind, and we call these energies together in the heart, not down in the belly or up in the mind, but in the heart where these energies can come together and design for you the unfolding path of your soul's true purpose. So with these energies called in around us, we give thanks. May we hear what needs to be heard here today, and may the words that need to be spoken be spoken. 
And I want to give thanks to those of you who make this show possible for everyone else who is listening. I give thanks to Endrek and Michael, Rachel, Rebecca, and Lana, and all those who have donated recently. If this show has any meaning for you, allow your heart to be moved, for it is that willingness to allow yourself to be moved into action that is at the essence of shamanism. To feel that energy in your heart and move into action is Aini. And so I invite you all, if you are moved by this show, if it has value for you in any way, or you simply want others to be able to access it too, uh, please donate. And that's really easy. You can go to the show site, whyshamanismnow.com, and click on support and offer any amount of money, large or small. It is all deeply, deeply appreciated. We are grateful. And every dollar that you spend goes directly to keeping the show on the air. So I thank you all for that and those of you that do keep this show alive. So thank you. Today, our topic is shamanism and cancer. In other words, how might we bring the understanding of shamanism, the skills of shamanism, and the helping spirits that we access through shamanic states to the human issue of cancer. So I want you to know that this show is live this week. And if you have questions or comments, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype in, and that's most easily done, I think, from co-creatornetwork.com from the site. And you are also welcome to email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org. So let us remember that cancer is not a disease. It is a class of diseases in which a cell or a group of cells displays uncontrolled growth, which is division, cell division beyond normal limits. It is a group of cells that display invasion, which is intrusion on um, adjacent tissues and often the destruction of those tissues. In other words, cancer has no fear of taking space. And cancer is a group of cells that often metastasizes into other locations. Again, no fear of taking space. And travels to these other locations often on our own body systems via the lymph or the blood. So these three malignant properties of cancer differentiate them from benign tumors, which are self-limited and do not invade or spread. Um, Most cancers form a tumor, but not all. Some, like leukemia, do not. So let us remember that there are many cancers. There are as, probably as many cancers as there are people uh, that end up having an intimate relationship with it. There are many factors that are known to t- contribute to the development of cancer. And that's not really what we're going to talk about today. But let's acknowledge what we do understand that there are issues potentially of genetics, of the overall health system of the person, of the social milieu milieu in which the person inhabits, of exposure to environmental pollutants, or simply a sensitivity to those pollutants. Um, It's possible that viruses have a part in cancer and certainly nutritional habits. And then there are always the specifics of the person as an individual, that which is unique to them. So... What's important for us to recognize is that there, there is no one thing that we can say about cancer. And it's important also to remember that that's 
always true in any form of shamanic healing or shamanism is that the situation is always addressed individually, diagnosed individually with the person, individually with the group, individually with the land. Whatever it is that we want to bring information or healing or some kind of transformation to, that, that the receiver of this is treated as a unique individual. And so we're not here to necessarily make general statements about cancer, but simply to share some of the ways that shamanism or different aspects of shamanism have been brought to bear on this question, on this problem, on this disease. So we need to remember as we talk about this that from a shamanic perspective, all things begin in spirit, in the dreaming. All things. So cancer does too. So what are we dreaming as humans if we have dreamt up cancer? This is not meant to be a question of condemnation, but really an empowering question. We are dreaming it. So what are we dreaming if if the result of that is that dream manifests as cancer? And that's an important question to remember because it speaks to our power as dreamers and our capacity in that dreaming power to get off course in that dreaming in a way that is not life-sustaining. So it's not meant to be a condemnation. So in asking that question, what are we dreaming when we dream up cancer? Um, I'm not implying that we should blame anyone for his or her illness. That cancer, the presence of it, um, the dying of it, uh, is not um, a failure. And this is often the... Uh, experience that people have as they engage with a dominant medical system, certainly here in the U.S., that they've somehow failed by getting a cancer diagnosis, somehow failed if they don't heal from it. And it's important to understand that that is not what we are saying today in any way. We're not blaming people for their illnesses. Um, That cancer doesn't make someone or someone's choices bad. What we're talking about today is how do we look at this question from a shamanic perspective and in doing that can that be helpful and this this question of cancer is another reason to ask or this this looking at cancer as a manifestation of the dreaming is another reason for us to sit down and ask is this what i want to create with my life And if that answer is no for anything, then the next question is, then how do I change that? You know, is this what I want? And if it's not, how do I make a new choice? And sometimes we find we're not able to make a new choice unless we transform. And this very simple idea isn't just relevant to cancer. It's relevant to everything in our human lives everything born of the dreaming, is if I don't like what I'm creating with the sum total of the choices in my life, if I'm not happy with that outcome, I am wasting every moment of time that I blame anyone or anything else. That I need to look at those choices from an empowered place, that I'm a dreamer, I am creative, I have the capacity to dream another dream. If I can simply understand what dream do I need to stop giving energy to, 
And how can I dream the thing I truly want or need to create with my life? So this is the shamanic idea that we're in. And I'm asking you to hear it, not with contemporary ears trained in America to hear everything through the lens of judgment, but to think of this idea that shamanism is, that is so central to shamanism, that we are dreaming reality as an empowerment. Okay, so today... What we're talking about is possibilities, options, ways that people have integrated shamanic approaches into their path with cancer. There is nothing in today's show that's meant to imply someone should or should not have done something in particular relative to their path with cancer. The point is just to say these are the things people have experienced Um, and potentially you could try them. So I actually invited many people to be on the show, this show today with me. And for various reasons, um, no one was able to. Not that they didn't want to, but they weren't able to, um, which was an interesting process for me. However, one of those people I want to point out, and I will come back around to him later in the show, but um, this, this shaman's colleague's name is Myron Ashowski. And he has written a really incredible book about bringing shamanic ideas to the experience of cancer and other um, chronic illnesses, um, cancer and chronic illnesses. Um, The book is entitled Peace with Cancer, and you can find that online um, if you just Google peace-with-cancer.com, and that should bring you to the site about Myron um, and the book. And we'll come back to that. But, uh, you know, for those of you that are listening online right now live, go ahead and check it out while we go forward. So, again, what we're talking about today is options and possibilities and ways that people have um, brought their shamanic shamanism one way or another into their process. So, remember, as we go forward, all cancers are different and all people are different and all paths of healing are different. So, and oh, and also remember that in shamanism, we have a perspective that we call healing into death. Death is not seen as a failure in and of itself, as it is in much of the dominant American culture. That to die in a good way, to reconcile with your life, to be at peace with death, and to exit this plane of the living and move on to the realm of the dead in a good way and take your place there in the lineage of the ancestors for your descendants is considered honorable. So there is nothing, there is no failure in death in shamanism. And much of what is considered healing is healing into death. So keep, keep that in mind as well. Okay, so decades ago, um, in class actually with Sandra Ingerman, Sandy was talking about working with clients with cancer. And what she had been shown in her journeys um, at that time was that cancer wants life, period. And if you think about the definition of cancer cells, you can see that, that they, uh, cancer wants life mindlessly, without conflict or distraction, without apology or doubt, that cancers wants life so absolutely that it will continue to grab life until it kills its host in the pursuit of its own life. It's pretty dumb, really. I mean, cancer, it's pretty dumb. Uh, but that's the point. Um, cancer is 
cells that have an error in their programming and that they want their wanting of life is out of balance, that it is ultimately unsustainable. It kills the host. And for many of us, the presence of cancer is exactly that. It is a mirror. It is a smoky mirror. It reflects back to us our doubt, our living with apology, living in acquiescence, living in passivity, living without conflict, I mean, living uh, with distraction, allowing constant conflict to come into play, and our own inability to take a stand, to take up space in this world and manifest. And so at its root, this is often the deeper internal mirror that cancer holds up to its host and asks the question, Almost, I dare you. Cancer says almost, I dare you to take back your life, to want life more than I do. And cancer, that's all cancer does, is mindlessly divide, mindlessly consume resources and life. So I'm not saying it's a, you know, a balanced model of life, but, but that is the smoky mirror that it holds up for us. And so that is one of the places and one of the places of deep internal transformation that the questions cancer raises within us can, can bring us to. So one of the things that this diagnosis of terminal cancer often brings us to is face to face with how bad do you or do you not want your life? And can you want it more than cancer does? And with that, um, I'll just get this part kind of out of the way here, but there are stories in shamanism of miracle cancer cures. There always have been. And not just in shamanism. There's always been stories of miracle cancer cures. Um, And so there are. There are stories of miracle cures with cancer um, from shamanism all over the Internet. And I have no idea the veracity of those stories. Um, so I'm not going to repeat them here on the show. You know, go look them up if you want to. Um, but I will share with you a couple stories that I do know about personally. Um, and as I've said on other shows, uh, there is a kind of shamanic healer that is a sucking doctor. And they're very, very good at drawing toxic energies out of the body. Um, and so this is a story about one of those uh, shamans. And a woman. So there was a woman in the United States, a mother, who was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor and told she had a number of months to live. I can't remember whether it was three or six, but it was not a year. It was a very short period of time. And there was no way, given the the tumor and where it was, that they could even consider any kind of surgery. And she said to herself, well, if I've only got X many months to live, let's say six, Um, How shall I spend it? And she um, pulled her daughter out of college and said, look, I've only got this many more months to live. What do you want to do? And so they just took off and they wanted to travel. There were places in the world they wanted to see together. And she was very, very sick. The woman was extremely sick. But they just traveled slowly and um, spent their money and traveled to different places on the earth that they wanted to see and experience. And one of those places was Nepal. And in Nepal, they found out about um, a renowned Tibetan shaman who, who is now deceased, uh, Pao Wang Chuk, 
um, who was living at the time in a refugee camp in Nepal because, of course, the Tibetan shamans can't be in Tibet anymore. So he's living in this camp and seeing um, and healing, doing healings. And so this woman went to him and um, not, not that she traveled the globe to find him, but she just found him in her journey with her daughter. And um, he did a sucking extraction on her. She didn't, I mean, she was obviously ill. But she didn't necessarily tell him what was going on. She just said, sure, I'll have a healing. And he ended up doing a big sucking extraction on her head and sucked some really disgusting things out of her head. And they actually put it in a jar to take it home to show the doctor. Um, And as she and her daughter continued to travel, um, she started to get better. Her energy started to um, increase. She started to become healthier, started to lose the symptoms that were caused by the tumor. And by the time she got home... She checked in with her doctor because she was, um, well, supposed to be dead at that point. She checked in with her doctor, and um, there was no evidence of her cancer at that point. Now, of course, along the way through their journey, she lost the jar that had the stuff in it as well. Uh, But the point is she found herself a miracle cure. And similarly, there's another story of a man who was diagnosed with um, very fairly advanced, by the time it was diagnosed, pancreatic cancer. And not given very long to live at all. And he said, well, shoot, if I'm just going to die, I'm going to Hawaii. So he left his life in the States, in the, on the continent, and went off to Hawaii to live. And in the process of doing that, he encountered Hawaiian practitioners, um, Hawaiian healers, and um, Chinese medicine doctors. And one of the many things that he did encountering these people there and figuring, you know, why not? I've already been given a death sentence. Why not? Um, he, one of the main parts of his treatment was actually um, colonics with herbs, with Chinese herbs. And the colonic process allows those herbs to go you know, right into the organ systems. And consequently, this man was able, with this help, to cure his pancreatic cancer. So there are stories like this. So what I'm wondering, though, is if you've noticed... Uh, what the theme in the story is. And the theme in these stories is almost always the same. That the person left their life behind and went and did what they'd always wanted to do. Now, don't think about this with little James Dean attitude. That's not my point. My point is about the dreaming. They gave up the life as they knew it. They gave up the life they had been dreaming their whole life. They walked away from it and went off and did something else. And so there's two important things about that. The main thing point that I'm making is about the story, the life, the, the dreaming of the life, is that there is something inherent in the dreaming that is resulting in all, everything in your life, including the cancer. And so for those people that just toss the life out whole hog, they've also tossed out the dreaming of the cancer. And that allows an infinite range of other possibilities to open up. So that is sometimes what allows these miracles into people's lives. And so part of it is really being able to understand that the story, the life, the dream, it does matter. It is somehow inherent in that. We're not catching cancer as some random flyby. 
that there is a way in which you're dreaming it into our life and there is a way we can undream it. There's another piece in these stories, though, that is also extremely important. And it's recognizing in these people that they weren't passive. They surrendered. But they surrendered, which is an act of power. They did not, they were not passive. Okay, well, I'm going to die anyway, so why don't I, you know, it was like, okay, I'm going to die. Why don't I go do what I want to do? And it's, it's surrendering to whatever and moving on. And doing whatever because of that. Passivity will kill you with or without cancer. That passivity is, it, well, it is in a place of power. And there, there's actually studies about this. That passivity relative to cancer is always a problem. What surrender is, is it's a place of power. It's a place in which the glass is suddenly empty. And all possibilities are available to you again. And surrender is a liquid state. It is a liquid state of grace in which all transformations are possible. This question, though, or this idea, this possibility of surrender, of letting it go, of letting go of the story, is perhaps most challenging for those people who actually have great lives. So how do we reconcile this? How do we reconcile this for the person that loves their life, loves their partner, loves their children, loves their work, whatever it is, all the parts of their life, loves where they live, loves their home, loves everything about their life. And yet cancer takes people like this all the time. So how do we reconcile this idea, these people that don't want to give up their life? They love it. They love their dream. How, how do we reconcile this with this other idea of, walking away from it. And I think in this, what we need to understand is the depth at which things may need to change to allow transformation. Cancer is rarely being created by what's going on in the moment. Cancer usually began to be created sometime in your past. And for many people, the, the, the energy that began the dreaming that results in the manifestation of cancer is very, very old. It is some aspect from your childhood that was um, silenced or stopped in some way and you learned from that, you adapted, you developed other qualities and you moved on. And so often the transformation is, is deep in our core. It's deep back in our history, deep in what has become almost subterranean in our life. That cancer isn't a judgment on your current life. It's often a revelation about aspects of your past and not a judgment about it, but a revelation. It's as if cancer is saying, your life is so beautiful. Every aspect of you deserves to participate in it. And I'm showing you the parts of yourself that have been shut out. Invite them to the party. And you take away the dreaming. That allows me to exist. It's as if that is the message for these people in cancer. Um, so again, everything is not true for everyone. That when we, because cancers are different, people are different, and shamanism is different. Um, so I'm going to pause here for just a moment because I have a question from a listener. Thank goodness we haven't had that for a long time. So this question is. 
If one considers cancer as an imbalance in the person and the person completely heals the cancer by using something like cannabis, um, uh, maybe by virtue of a higher vibratory frequency, the base spiritual problem in the person itself or at least provide a nudge for the healing of the original problem. Well, this leads me to something actually I didn't really have in my plan here today, but it's an important point that one of the things that we do see over and over and over again is that there can be a successful removal and remission of cancer for whatever reason, whether it is a quote-unquote successful surgery or successful allopathic treatment, or in this case, a successful non-traditional treatment, any kind of treatment, successful shamanic treatment, some kind of success, and the cancer goes into remission and then it reappears. What's going on? Well, this to me leads us back to what I was just saying, that there has been a change and the an authentic change and the reemergence of the cancer tells us simply that there is still something deeper that is asking to be addressed. And that is, again, not a judgment and it's not a failure. But if it returns, there is a need uh, to look deeper. To, to plunge deeper into the self. And so if we go back to this question, I think that it's important to give deep gratitude and embrace those things that assist us in this healing process, be they surgery or some alternative thing or shamanism. But there is no cure if the dreaming isn't changed, permanent cure if the dreaming isn't changed. So somewhere in the person's overall process, the dreaming needs to be transformed. And it is often this initial healing and remission that gives the person time to change the dreaming. Often what I see, unfortunately, is that initial remission to the person seems like they dodge the bullet and then they continue on exactly as they lived their life before. And that almost always means we'll see the reemergence of the cancer because nothing fundamental has been transformed. So we need to address the story, the dreaming. Where, where did this come from at a deep level? And sometimes that, that break is the opportunity, have the time to do that. So what I'd like to do now is share... Um, that one of the things I see as the deep beauty in a personal shamanic practice, meaning, or core shamanism, um, is that it gives you, the, the person, the power to take the journeys, to connect with spirit, and to explore those deeper layers and deeper, deeper truths within yourself that um, are, are connected to the dreaming, to the story, to what you are dreaming into your life. And, and also understand that everything we're talking about here today is meant to be in complement with allopathic medicine, in complement with um, alternative care, as it's called in the United States. This is not an instead of show. This is about what are all of our options? What are all of our possibilities? How do we engage in every, everything we have, all the resources that we have? Um, and also remember that this is not necessarily prescriptive. Just because going to Hawaii and 
doing those treatments worked for that guy with pancreatic cancer doesn't necessarily mean it will work for someone else's pancreatic cancer. So we need to just keep listening with those kind of uh, generous ears. So what we get from shamanism is the power to investigate and possibly transform these deeper realms of our relationship with ourself. And so I'd like to share a couple stories of um, people that I've known who have used shamanism themselves, their own relationship with spirit, to um, explore their, their relationship with cancer. So I had a student once who was diagnosed, a woman who was diagnosed with breast cancer. And the course of action that was prescribed for her, ultimately, that was agreed on was chemotherapy. Um, and she, she journeyed uh, to her helping spirits to get confirmation on all the different things offered her. And that's part of how they finally landed on chemotherapy because there were certain things she just was unwilling to do because she didn't get supported to do those things by spirit. And so once they decided on the chemotherapy, she got the name of the drug – Uh, that was going to be used. She looked up the structure of the molecule in the physical world. And then she journeyed to it in the spirit world. She saw clearly its energy structure there in the journey and came to understand in the journey how toxic this uh, molecule was, this this chemotherapy drug was. and she, she really could feel that. And in fact, in the first journey where she really came in contact with it and felt it's that by the nature of its energy and its shape and its toxicity, she had to come out of the journey and just kind of be with that. But eventually she started journeying regularly to this um, – to the, to the molecule of the drug. And to tell it – and she, she introduced herself and she talked to it about what it was that she needed it to do. Um, she talked about how it would make her sick and how she would really like to not be sick. And she talked with it about the, the symptoms, the um, side effects that she didn't want to have and talked with the drug about how could they work together to get the outcome that she was looking for relative to the cancer, um, allow that drug to do its work, but to not make her sick. And what is interesting about the things that she was offered is that these things she needed to do to work in good relationship with the chemotherapy drug were things that brought her into a different relationship with parts of herself. And in this, there was an internal personal transformation, um, kind of under the guise, in a sense, of working with the chemotherapy. Now, that wasn't false. But it is always interesting to me how spirit gets us to look at what we need to look at. And so in the end of this story, she and the chemotherapy and her helping spirits um, saw a very good result, the desired result from the chemotherapy. And um, and as, as far as I know, she is still cancer-free to this day. There is an a, um, article about um, a shamanic practitioner named Glenn Eric Bean who's interviewed by Beryl Crone in a, a shaman's drum 
magazine in the winter of 1995. So it's a, definitely a back issue. Um, but it's a, a really a lovely interview with this man. So Glenn Eric, in, in this interview, what we find out is that Glenn Eric is diagnosed with a very serious melanoma in his neck that's metastasized from somewhere else or something. Um, but the doctors are very concerned. And the surgery that is ultimately suggested is extremely uh, invasive and um, aggressive. And um, he began pretty early in the process to take this to his helping spirits. And the first thing they gave him was a way to work with the spirits as he was listening to the mountains of complex information anyone who is diagnosed with cancer begins to receive from the medical system. And, and it is mountains, especially if you then go start looking for more information about the particular cancer that you have. I mean, it is just unbelievable amounts of information. And the spirits, the first thing is a really valuable thing they gave him was a way to very quickly, as he was coming in contact with complex information, to retain what was going to be valuable to him and discard what wasn't and just to trust that process. And this was a huge help in his decision-making. Uh, in the in the process of dealing with his cancer and this empowered him and he talks very eloquently in the interview about feeling the difference when he was not empowered not in this this uh, empowering relationship with spirit but just being a person all by himself um, and and how he had been treated and acted like a patient in the process but once he began to work with spirit and really trusted the information that he was getting and began to be able to do a kind of a spontaneous um, merging with spirit to sort this information, he felt re- very empowered in this process. And he could sit with people that knew a whole bunch of stuff he didn't know and understand that what he did know from spirit made them equals. And it empowered him to communicate with these healthcare professionals as an equal and to co-create path forward for his healing. And those are my words, but that's how I see what it is that he was able to do. So as he follows the messages from spirit, they eventually guide him to a group of um, doctors and oncologists and researchers who are focused on his particular cancer. And in working with them, he finds that, that they are people that are researchers. And they also understand they know absolutely nothing about healing. I mean, healing is a miracle that the body goes to health, goes to healing, given the opportunity without hesitation is a miracle. It is, un, it is not understood. We understand how to support that process, but we don't understand it. It's like we don't actually understand conception. We don't, we don't, there are things we don't really understand. We just know it's best to support it and get out of its way. So he found these researchers that were, you know, complete science nerds, but also in that understood, they didn't understand healing. Well, as a shamanic practitioner, he has a deep relationship with the process of healing through the spirit end of it. And so he found people that he could just, you know, throw down the gauntlet and say, I'm a shamanic practitioner. I will be journeying about everything. My decisions will be informed by spirit. Deal with it. And he found people that went, hmm, we don't really understand what that means, but sure, why not? And so he and these doctors went forward and ultimately he said to them, okay, fine, I'll have the surgery, but I only want this to be done because I know through spirit that these other tissues are not compromised. Because this was going to be a potentially an extremely aggressive surgery that would remove parts of his body. And um, as, a re- as a result, they agreed. Eventually, they agreed. They performed the surgery 
And in the tests that followed, it verified everything he had been given by spirit. Now, this is what I love about this story, other than the fact that it saved this really cool guy's life. What I love about this story is it doesn't say, ignore everything the contemporary world has to offer you, run off to Nepal and have the shaman save you, which is not true about the other woman's story either, but people love to hear it that way. People love to hear, I don't need to deal with any of this. I can just go somewhere exotic, have something strange done to me that I don't understand, and I will be healed. People love that story. What I love about Glenn Eric's story is that it's about being absolutely grounded and present in the moment as a shamanic practitioner, listening with the help of spirit, engaging with the help of spirit, doing everything with the help of spirit, and in that, finding what is real for me and what is not. And in doing that, to find the course of action, to take it, And then ultimately to find out spirit was right all along, even if it seemed utterly impractical and didn't make any sense to anybody else. I love that part of this story. The other thing about this story that I think is really important because there's, you know, the transformation piece isn't really here yet. But what's interesting about this is he speaks about a ritual, a personal ritual that spirit asked him to do. And he, he talks about this as a response to a question about how is he continuing to assure his healing, to use his shamanism to continue his healing. And he talks about this ritual. What's interesting is he was given this ritual before the diagnosis, and he didn't really take it seriously. So he was given this information from spirit, but didn't act on it fully. And with the diagnosis, which was um, absolutely life-threatening, suddenly he thought he might pay attention. And, you know, isn't this how we are, unfortunately? But it is. So he paid attention and he started doing this ritual and now he does it every single day without fail. And this ritual is what I consider the core of a true shamanic practice. To what I, it's what I call altar work. To greet each day, to, to welcome the spirits in that shape the cosmos that you live in, to give gratitude to each one for what it is that they have offered you and what they will bring you in that day to state what it is that the day holds for you and to ask for that help and to give gratitude for that help as if it has already been given. And to do this in this was his transformation. Actually, I'm sure he would tell you there are many other places that were his transformation, but it's not in the story. In in the story that's in the interview, this is the place of the transformation, how this whole process brought him into a place of deep connection, merging, and trust of his helping spirits. It got him over that very contemporary hump, even with people that consider themselves practitioners, of their willingness to truly trust spirit. So with that said, I would like to now move on to Myron, as I promised earlier in the show. Um, Myron is a shaman, author, and consultant Um, He has written this beautiful book called Peace with Cancer, and you can find out more information about this book at peace-with-cancer.com, and I'm sure you can Google Myron on Amazon or whatever to find the book. Um, So what Myron has done is taken basically the ideas that I've been talking about around shamanism and cancer and written a lovely book about it with a lot of case studies and um, 
really presenting a well thought out perspective from which to apply shamanism to your illness, you know, threatening illnesses, either terminal or chronic illnesses. Um, and since we're running a little bit short of time, I'm going to leave out a little bit of the wonderful things about Myron because you can go to his site and look at them. What is important to understand is that his connection here was uh, inspired or provoked uh, by watching his own father struggle and ultimately succumbing to cancer. And since then, Myron has worked with individuals diagnosed with cancers, including survivors of Chernobyl. So there we're talking about depleted uranium um, exposure, uh, Vietnam vets, which means we're talking about Agent Orange exposure, people with AIDS, people with leukemia, and many other cancers and acute conditions. And so this, well, let me say this one thing about Myron. Myron is one of the most excellent, fully manifest contemporary practitioners in America today. That he deeply understands the essence in the traditional cultures he has experienced and how to bring that into the manifestation of rituals or ceremonies that are actually effective for contemporary American cultures. And in particular, Myron works with at-risk cultures, with... um, you know, gang kids and, well, cancer patients. I mean, he, he's not skimming the cream off the top here and making it easy for himself. He is bringing these deep indigenous practices translated into forms that will be effective for really challenged populations of people today. And I have um, nothing but admiration for Myron's work. And so I'm really happy today to be able to support his his work, but also this book. And so Myron is is worked with indigenous healers all around the globe, and his model of healing comes from his seeing in that that shamanic perspectives look at everything in relationship and ask us what is the quality of your relationship with that thing whether it's the quality of your relationship with your helping spirits which is what i talk about a lot on this show or the quality of the relationship with your illness that is now manifest the quality of relationship with your dreaming which in america is largely unconscious so it's looking at the quality of the relationships given that this model that we need to be at war with our cancer, at war with our ego, at war with, frankly, other countries, that this war model is not sustainable as a model for life. And it is not sustainable as a model for dealing with cancer. So again, this is not to say toss allopathic medicine away because that is one of the the pools of resources you have to draw from. But what we need to change is our sense that we are at war with anything in our dreaming. With energies that no longer serve us, our path is to bless them, to thank them, and to find a way to go our separate ways. Now, of course, if you're dreaming it, how you go your separate ways is the challenge. But this is what Myron explores, I think, in his book. He talks about it differently, but that's my sense of what he is doing. 
So what he presents here are spiritually based healing techniques that are designed to help us to excavate those deeper truths, uh, to bring healing to the soul and to make peace with our life and our death. And there um, are definitely stories in Myron's work about what it means to heal into death. And again, how death is not a failure. In, in the, my teachings, the teachings that I share in the cycle of transformation, death is not only not a failure, death is an ally. Death is an ally of life. And death in particular is a manifestation of the healer. So keep that in mind as we think about this. And it, this is also a piece that will come back around here with Myron's work. So what Myron explains, and these are now in Myron's words in the book, is that each specific cancer is spiritually distinct, even though it and others are of a particular type. In other words, pancreatic cancer is a type of cancer, but each specific one in each specific person is spiritually distinct. As beings... We exist in two realms, the physical and the spiritual. And these two realms, the physical and the spiritual, are vibrating back and forth like a song. Learning that relationship between the body and the soul through this resonance teaches us much about disease. In many ways, Myron says, a disease is like a song sung off key. In its essence, all shamanic healing is about is restoring relationship. In other words, restoring the song. Um, And there are shamanic cultures that focus purely on healing through song, which we've talked about some before with the Shpibo. So Maimon continues saying that what he stresses in his approach is to ask who is the person with this illness. And while soul retrieval and extraction and power animal retrieval and all these other shamanic healing techniques um, are used in the process, the uniqueness of the person influences the specifics of the path taken. Marmon says that typically the approach he uses focuses on empowerment for the cancer patient. And we saw that in the story about Glenn Eric, that rather than have them being a person who has things done for them, that he's focusing on on creating right relationship um, and and beginning right at the beginning of the relationship ha- uh, of him working with the person who's been diagnosed with cancer, Myron gets them or teaches them to be able to journey on their own behalf. And what I'd like to do is share with you some of the kinds of questions, not, not all the different ones. The book is much much broader than this, but some of the different questions that he has people ask. And again, what shamanism offers us in our path with cancer is the ability to explore the deeper place from which the dreaming comes, that is dreaming the cancer into existence, so that we can transform the dream there, which will allow whatever resources we choose for the physical healing to run its course. And, and if we can truly transform the dream that will run its course in a sense to completion in that, that song sung off key ends. And ideally our, our own song sung on key 
fills in and flourishes and extends into that space that's been created now uh, by the absence of the cancer. So back to Myron. So these are some of the typical questions that Myron um, engages people in. And the place to begin, as with many illnesses shamanically, is to, is to ask, what is the spirit of the illness telling you? What is the message? And we've actually talked about this a little bit already. But this, this very question is the beginning of moving a person out of a conflict relationship with the illness into one that is um, at least communication and ultimately, from a place of empowerment, to understand the, the co-creation in it and the opportunity to change the nature of the relationship and thus change the outcome. Another um, question that Myron might have someone explore is what, it, what is the energy that is not being allowed in the heart because the heart is seen as the seat of the immune system. So to explore... Um, limitations around the heart or weaknesses in the heart allow a strengthening of that system. Another aspect of all disease, but particularly cancer because it is slow and often slow in creating, is to look at what in what what is it the ancestors are trying to draw your attention to through this disease. And so he might have people journey to ask, what is the healing the ancestors are asking of me? Um, and this, for some people, their cancer is really about something, a relationship larger than themselves. And it helps a person to begin to expand their own exploration around this um, disease as something that's more about themselves, but a reflection, a reflection of larger healing needed in, in a larger community, be it the ancestor living descendant community or the community around. There's another... Um, kind of question that Myron often will have people ask. And for me, this, this has to do with a shamanic wisdom that, that I practice, which is called work with what is, is to learn about the cancer, the structure of it, how it functions, and begin to ask questions about that. So one example Myron offers is that some cancers create a cocoon-like barrier around themselves so that the medicine can't get in. And uh, so a question could be, how can I get around the cocoon to remove the illness? So any sort of practical question about the dynamic of that actual cancer could be helpful. Um, Myron also encourages people, especially people that are very afraid of dying or unreconciled in some way about dying, to work with death, death who is an archetype, to work with death shamanically. Um, that death, as I said, from my perspective, is, is a great ally of the healer and of life. And um, one question Myron has used, there are many to work with with death, but one specific question he notes is, teach me to, to go to death specifically and ask, teach me how to use you as a healer. And this one in particular resonates with, with the understanding, the shamanic understanding in this, that is one, of course, that is not judgment-based, but simply practically based. If the cancer is present, then something is giving it life. Life comes out of the dream. Then I need to go back into the dream and to give death to this part of the dream so that life can flourish. So there is a, def a, a deep shamanic understanding there. Another aspect of cancer that... Um, Myron highlights here is that 
cancer from a Chinese medicine perspective is a lot about stagnation. And so one of the things that he often explores with people is their own stuckness in their lives and how might they get unstuck. Um, there are many, many, many other aspects that Myron talks about, but the one that I think is really important as we begin to close the show is um, Myron coming back round to the topic that is so important for us to understand that healing in shamanism is in some way about healing relationships. So soul loss is about, and soul retrieval is about healing a person's relationship with that part of their own soul. So when we talk about cancer, um, that one of the things is to help the person diagnosed with cancer to reframe the issue of what caused me to get sick because we can't always answer that specifically. And even if we can, sometimes we can't do anything about it. Um, But to reframe this whole process to focus on the relationship itself and to ask, what are the spiritual relationships involved in my sickness that need balance and harmony? And then once we have that answer, to journey again and ask, you know, what do I do to bring balance and harmony to this relationship? And then this one, whatever they were, to do that. Myron talks in the book about a lot of other really interesting things, like the, the elemental nature of cancer being fire, and that cancer sometimes needing a circle of healers, and, and working with several healers and ceremonial roles. Um, and in the end, what Myron says is that he has witnessed many stories of miracles through the healing interventions of the spirits. This is Myron's um, quote. And in some cases, it is the spontaneous remission, and in others, it is the extended quality of life. Um, in others, it is the healing into a peaceful, good death. So bringing healing and peace in work with cancer patients involves more than traditional shamanic healing and contemplation. What makes for healing ultimately is not how much we do or fight. It is the dedication and heartfulness that we bring to the healing commitment. So with that said, everyone, I want to give thanks to Myron for his great work, for all of these other people whose stories we shared, I shared here with you today. Um, I want to honor those of you who may be listening or who are listening and know others who are challenged with cancer at this time in their lives. And I ask for all of you to remember that you can ask for help from spirit from the ancestors, and ultimately to heal, to bring peace and harmony and balance to those relationships. So thank you all for listening here today. I give thanks to the ancestors for holding us here today in a good way. Thanks to the earth below for this home and its great beauty and the miracle of life. Thanks to the sky above. And thanks ultimately to your hearts. Let us all remember it is our hearts that unite us all. Thank those of you who have donated. You're welcome to do so at whyshamanismnow.com, which is the show website. Those of you that are droid users and can't access the phones through iTunes can now connect through the RS feed on the site and get the shows off the site. Um, 
Again, you can get them on iTunes. And if you would like any more information about me or to schedule hot shamanic healing sessions with me, my website is lastmasscenter.org. Thank you all for joining me this week. 